What's up? What's up? I, I need that TV, so. Um, today, I want to talk to you, but you can already tell because it's up on the screen, about trajectory, the trajectory of grace. And before I get started, I wanted to give, show you my family real quick. So um, this is my uh, wife, Talia, of nine years. She's beautiful. We have two beautiful kids together, and she looks as good now as before she even had children. Um, that's my daughter, Kyra. She's so smart, so pretty. She has um, two little boyfriends in her four-year-old class, and it, it makes me very upset. <laughs> and, uh, and this is my little redneck warrior, Justice. Um, he's, he's super snuggly, and, and I just love him. But um, I didn't get a chance at the 25th anniversary um, service last year, I mean last year, last week, to um, honor Pastor Stan. And so I just wanted to take a moment this morning and do that. And so I just want to say, Pastor Stan, um, other than my father, you are the greatest man I have ever known. I've always thought to myself, if I could ever even be half the man that you are, I would consider myself wildly successful. And I, I mean that genuinely. You're an amazing father, leader, encourager. But the thing I love the most about you is that you never give up and you never stop improving. Um, my opinion is of little value, so this judgment doesn't make it true or not, but I do know a good about, about Jesus, and I've witnessed your life for a very long time. And one thing I know for sure is that from the time I was 12 years old until now, with each year that has passed, your life has looked more and more like Jesus. And in, in my humble opinion, that's the greatest thing that can be said about another person. Your, your pursuit and your discipline has always inspired me and made me have such an incredible admiration for you. Um, thank you, Pastor Stan. I'm forever in your debt. Can we give him a hand this morning? Yeah. Uh, so w when I was in school from um, kindergarten all the way through to probably like the 10th grade, I loved art. I would draw all the time. I don't know if you can see this big portfolio right here, but there's literally hundreds and hundreds of drawings in here all the way from um, high school. And I would draw in class and at home with my friends, but I would never finish a drawing. And I had this um, friend, Russ um, Burgreen, and he was such a good artist. And he would always finish their drawings and they were always amazing and so ornate and everything. And I would get so jealous and I wish I could just finish a stinking thing. But sadly, I just couldn't. I would get bored or frustrated at what I'd come up with and see all the reasons it wasn't good enough and move on to the um, next attempt to get it right. I just could not finish a drawing. But you know what? Luckily, our God isn't like that. In Philippians 1.6, it says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He finishes his work and he has you on a trajectory of grace. Can we pray real quick? Lord, I just thank you for this morning and for this opportunity to bring your word. Lord, I pray that you would anoint it, that you would empower it, God, that it would fall on soft hearts. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage and uplift. And Lord, that you would convince of um, people's need to press into you, Lord God. Lord, just fill this place. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's start by reading the whole text, Philippians 1, 6. I thank my God, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So Paul starts out saying to the church of Philippi, when I think of you, I thank God for you. He says, I always pray for you with joy. Now, Paul is their church father. He's not their earthly father, and he's definitely not their heavenly father. But when he thinks and he prays for them, he experiences joy. If Paul, just their church father, experiences this, how much more does our perfect heavenly father experience this? We see in the life of Jesus throughout Scripture, Jesus has an emotional response to his people. He responds to them emotionally. He's not a robot in the sky. He's not a cold, stoic father. He dances over us, Zephaniah says. It's not a stretch to say he has joy over us. He has a plan and every intention not to leave us unfinished, but to complete his work in us. The Bible says that he stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's praying for us. Jesus one time told Peter, he said, Satan plans to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Now, I have no idea what sift you as wheat means, but the de- if the devil plans it and Jesus prays for it, it isn't good. But my point is, Jesus prays for your success. He prays for my success. That should give you joy this morning. It gives me great comfort to know my father takes joy in me and he has a plan and every intention to complete his work in me. He has a trajectory of grace and he wants our love to abound with discernment. That means Jesus is the one who defines love and he shows us what is love and who should we love and how should we love. He wants us to approve what is excellent. He wants us to know the, what behaviors and thoughts and habits are excellent and good. And he wants us to, to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. He wants us to live out these excellent behaviors, thoughts and habits. Think about this. God called you knowing everything you've ever done and everything you'll ever do. You ever thought about that? He called you knowing everything you've ever done in everything you'll ever do. Jesus called the 12 disciples and he called his three best friends knowing what they would do. When Jesus called the 12 disciples, he called Judas Iscariot. You ever thought about that? He called him to his side knowing he would embezzle from their ministry finances. Knowing that for 30 pieces of silver, he would kiss him on the cheek to notify the Roman guards of his identity and to send him to the cross. When Jesus drew close to his three best friends, he included Peter, knowing that he would deny ever knowing him, knowing even after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he would continue to struggle with racial prejudice and pride. But he called them anyway. Do you understand the depths of his goodness, the lengths of his grace? Look at your life. Think of all you've done. Think of all you could potentially still do. And he called you anyway. He called you to his side. He called you to his service. And he called you to his friendship. 
You might say, Eric, I don't, I don't know. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm involved in. You don't know what I've done. I would say there's nothing too big for Jesus. There's nothing he can't walk with you through. There's nothing he can't redeem and restore. But here's the thing. In order to partner with him to complete the work, you have to run to him, not from him. Run to him, not from him. You see, when we are down and we're struggling, we have to run to him. We have to run to the only one who has the power to change us. He can handle our heartache. He can handle our pain. He can handle our anger. Jesus says about himself, come to me, all you, are, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am gentle and lowly of heart. Think about that. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, he says this about himself. I am gentle and lowly of heart. He says, I'm patient. I'm compassionate. I'm gracious. I'm abounding in love. And I have a plan and every intention of completing the work in you. So bring it to the foot of the cross. All the sin, all the shame, all the pain, all the anger, the frustration and brokenness. Say, God, here's, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where my heart's not right. Here's where I'm out of line. Change me, oh God. Give me your heart. Help me approve what is excellent and walk pure and blameless. He's not going to leave you. He's not. I remember when um, I was a youth pastor um, here at Clover Hill and um, there was this uh, boyfriend, girlfriend couple and the girl and the guy and his name was Matt. And so the, the, the girl had come to the youth group and the guy would come every, every once in a while, Matt. And um, she had gotten real connected, gotten involved in a small group. And so she had progressed in her faith and she was like, I think I want to get um, water baptized. And so um, we decided that we would go ahead and help her walk through that. And it was, the, the baptism was over here on this side of the, the building. It was all set up. And Matt was seated a few rows back, probably four or five rows back, all the way over closest to the wall. And so um, we were all gathered around, me and, um, and, and Talia and small group leaders. And we were getting ready to, to do this baptism and pray for her. And so, and I, and I just, I looked over and I saw Matt and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Eric, I want you to go over there and ask him if he wants to make me the Lord and leader of his life. And I was like, God, you do know there's a baptism happening right now. <laughs> but I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I left the baptismal tank. I walked over and I kneeled down beside him and I said, hey, Matt, uh, I don't know, but I feel like the Lord's telling me to come over here and ask you if you'd like to make him the Lord and leader of your life. And, and he's like, yeah, I would. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> All right. I wasn't expecting that. So we, <laughs> we, uh, so I kneeled down with them and, um, I prayed with them that he received Jesus and the service ended and we went about our way and Matt didn't come back. He didn't come back to service. And, but I would see him every once in a while. I would run into him and he, he would be a waiter, um, at a restaurant. We'd talk and, and, um, every now and then. But one thing was for sure, every single year he would text me once a year. And he would say, hey, Eric, um, my life's not right. I've made some bad decisions and I want to get back in church. I want to get my life right. And so I would start to um, text him and, and try to m make things work and it would just fall off and the text would stop and it would just never really pan out year after year. 
And one thing he would always say, he would say, Eric, you'll, you'll never know how much that day meant to me. I think about it all the time. It's changed my life. And then even this past year, this year or two, he texted me and he said, hey, Eric, my life's a mess. I want to get water baptized. He, he wanted to go to the next level. And so um, I even, we made it to the place where I even got Tyler involved in. We started to make arrangements for him to come and get baptized. And just over time, the text kind of dropped off and he, he never made it out. And, and I just want to say, Matt, if you're watching today, I'd say, listen, man, God began a good work in you that day when, he, when we prayed together. He's chasing your heart. He wants to transform and deliver you and bring you into his friendship and his life. And I say, Matt, just take his hand. Jesus wants to complete the work he began all those years ago. But you have to run to him and not away from him. Run to him, not away. In the seasons that we're struggling, we have to run to the only one who can change us. Mark chapter 9 Verse 14, there's a story, and it says this. Um, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him, talking about Jesus. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And so I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and it rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do, if, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And listen to Jesus. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter again. And after crying out and convulsing him terrible, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. I love this story because the man could have heard the words of Jesus and he could have felt shame and guilt. He could have heard Jesus say, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? And he could, he could have went away angry or sad, but no, he runs to Jesus responding in faith saying, I do believe, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Those are some powerful words. He says, Jesus, here's where I'm at. You're my only hope. I'm here at your feet and I'm struggling with unbelief and I need your help. And look at Jesus. He doesn't say to, man, to the man, be gone from me, you doer of evil. No, he says, demon, I rebuke you. Get out of that boy. You want help with your unbelief? Let me show you my compassion. Let me show you my power. Watch me do my work. Observe my character. See my nature and you will come to believe. 
Come on, somebody. He's a good father. We can run to him, not away. In, in college, um, I had a, I had a um, college president, and his name um, was Dr. Rutland. And he was like one of the, probably the best speaker I've ever heard speak in, in my entire life. And he preached every single chapel and every single time. It was like mind-blowing. And he said this thing one time. I'm not, it's true. It's kind of it's silly, but he said this thing is silly. But when you think about it, it, it just it, it resonated with me so strongly. And he'd say, he'd say, just, just start somewhere. He'd say, uh, listen, if, if you want to hunger and thirst after Jesus, he's like, pray to hunger and thirst. And then like, if you're, if you're struggling and you feel like you can't pray to hunger and thirst, he's like, just pray to hunger and thirst, to hunger and thirst. And if you can't pray to hunger and thirst, to hunger and thirst, then pray hunger and thirst, to hunger and thirst, to hunger and thirst. And it's so simple and it's so silly, but it's so profound when you think about it. It's simple, but it's profound. He's saying, just start somewhere with Jesus. If you start somewhere, he won't leave you there. He'll take you and move you forward. Maybe you're in a bad week, a bad season, a bad year. Maybe this whole thing that's been going on for a couple years now has just got you out of whack. We can acknowledge that's true. But ask yourself, what's my trajectory? And I would venture to say that if you're walking with Jesus, you'll see a trajectory of grace. Um, the past two, uh, year or two, just like everyone else in America, I've been dabbling in the stock market a little. <laughs> it hasn't gone well at all. <laughs> and I, I've spent a lot of times um, looking at price performance charts. I've learned not just about the market, but I feel like it's taught me a lot about life, oddly enough. Now, a stock chart can be viewed in a lot of different increments. And depending on what increment you're looking at, you can have an entirely different perspective on the trajectory of the chart. So you can like what's happened with it in the last hour or four hours or, or day or so. And it gives you a completely different perspective. So just for example, I took the gold chart from like the last uh, 20, 10 to 20 years. And I wanted to show it to you. And so the first chart, this is the five day chart. So this is like the, literally, it's not figuratively, this is literally the last five days of gold price. But I want you to look, about, look at this and think about it like life. It's like Monday and Tuesday got off to a great start, but man, she took a dip headed toward Friday. And the, we and the wife got in a fight. The kids came home with bad grades. You got rejected from the school you applied for. The, uh, the boss at the office brought you in for a little reprimand. You didn't do your devos all week. And you're like, God, I could use some help, right? Everybody knows that week, right? Let's look at the one month chart. It's been a plateaued month of ups and downs. Nothing real good, nothing real bad. It's, it's been real and it's been fun, but it ain't been real fun. <laughs> devos have been hit or miss. Just kind of feel apathetic, not really working hard at anything at the moment, right? Let's look at a three-month chart. So you, you came out of that pl plateau and started to get some lift, and then she fell off a cliff. <laughs> you got laid off. You just found out your teenager got, has been involved in drugs. There's been some hard conversations about your, your marriage. You're, you're dealing with some depression. 
Maybe you gained some weight. You, you know, it's, it's been a bad three months and you're pretty down about it. You're wondering, where, have you, where are you, God? Have you checked out on me? Do you still love me? Are you here? Let's look at one year. It's been a dull year. Not much going on. We tried to get some momentum late in the year and just couldn't keep it going. You know, life's okay. My marriage is okay. My relationships are okay. My walk with Jesus is okay. Work is okay. Everything's just okay. Then we look at five years. And you're like, oh man, I might have been plateaued. We might have had a bad week, month, or year, but looking over the past five years, my relationship with Jesus is better. My family's better. My work is better. My life is better. We've been working hard, making headway, and things have been changing for the good. Now let's look at the lifetime chart. You look at the lifetime chart and you're like, look at that. Man, God, where would I have been without you? He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's been there lifting you out of the grave and setting your feet on solid ground. He's been transforming and changing your whole life from graves in the garden just because that's what he does. He never leaves you where he found you. He's taking you to the next level one day at a time because he who began a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. You, you might have had a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, but you're walking with Jesus and you're on a trajectory of grace. You might have even made some bad choices. You might have had a bad medical report, some relationship trials and had some bad habits, but he who began a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. If we stay connected to Jesus, he's got a trajectory of grace. He's moving us from glory to glory. Second Corinthians says, now the Lord is a spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we are all being transformed into the image of Jesus from glory to glory. He's not finished with you. You know how much you're worth to him? You're worth the cross. We are the reward of his suffering. He doesn't want one drop of his shed blood to be in vain. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing for you to perish. We have to run to him. He's got us on a trajectory of grace and he's leading us to being transformed into the image of Jesus. He wants your love to abound. He wants you to prove what is excellent. And he wants us to be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. He's going to finish the job. He's got you on a trajectory of grace. When I, man, when I look at my life, I was looking at these drawings earlier this morning. And I got drawings in there from high, literally from high school. I can remember the day that I drew them. And when I was drawing those pictures... I didn't have no talent. I had no skill. I couldn't sing. I couldn't play. I couldn't preach. I couldn't do anything. All I could do is draw stupid comic book characters that didn't do anything for anyone. And I'm like, I, I look out here today and I looked at, at what God has enabled me to do. And I'm like, holy cow, God, how is this even possible? And I just, I, I look and I, all I do, this is the secret. I just wake up every day and I just said, Lord, here am I, send me. Here my send me. And and I'm not perfect. I'm I'm terrible in, in many regards. 
But God, but God, right? <laughs> He's good. He's good. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that if we're down, you'd encourage us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak encouragement. Lord, that if we're struggling and we're in a bad season, that you would convince us of our need to run to you and not away from you. Lord, remind us that anything that we have, you can handle it. You can handle all of our sin, all of our brokenness. And God, you want to change our hearts. You want to change our life. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment, just think on that. If you're, uh, if you're here today and maybe you're struggling with your walk with Jesus or maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and leader, but you want to today, you want to make an acknowledgement before yourself and God to just say, God, that's me. I've, I've been struggling, but I know you got me and I want to press back into you or Lord, I've never given you my life and I want to surrender it to you. I want to get on this trajectory of grace. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up real quick so I can acknowledge you? Just slip it up real quick, put it back down. Thank you, I see the hand. Anybody else, just a few more seconds. Well, we're gonna we're gonna do one more song this morning. I just encourage you let let the words of this song sink in. Let him reflect, worship him, praise him, and allow the Holy Spirit to.